0: This evening, we're going to continue our series through the book of First John. Tonight, we're going to talk about testing for the spirit of truth. Testing for the spirit of truth. Let's pray together. Lord, we just ask now for your grace. We ask, Lord, for anointing of your Holy Spirit. Um, it is the Spirit, God, who empowers and enables us, Lord, to be your children, to be all that you have called us to be, to know the truth, and to believe it and trust it and love it, Lord. And so we pray now that your Spirit, Lord, would teach us, would lead us into all truth, would seal us in the truth, that we would not be led astray by the lies and the schemes of the enemy. Teach us now, we pray in Jesus' name, amen. Uh, If you have a Bible, you can turn with me to 1 John chapter 4, 1 John chapter 4, and um, as I said, this sermon is called, Testing for the Spirit of Truth. Um, When we talk about testing the spirits, you know, you start talking about spirits, it makes Baptists a little uncomfortable. Um... But, we live in a spiritual world, and there are spiritual realities, and sometimes we in the Western world forget that, um, but it's true, and that's, and that's actually why some others in, in other parts of the world kind of have an advantage on us and in, another, in some parts of the world that we might think are kind of, you know... Uh, not advanced, if you will, but they understand that it's a spiritual world. We went to Madagascar as a family when I was in my internship for six weeks, and they got witch doctors, and they have ancestral spirit worship. And, um, and they understand that the world is a spiritual world. The question is, how do we know which spirits to follow, to believe, uh, to, to seek? And so we do need discernment in these days. We need to learn to test for the spirit of truth. And that's what we're going to talk about this evening. From 1 John chapter 4, beginning in verse 1. So if you're able and willing, I invite you to stand in honor of the reading of God's word. 1 John 4, beginning in verse 1. Beloved, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see whether they are from God. For he who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. They are from the world. Therefore, they speak from the world and the world listens to them. We are from God. Whoever knows God listens to us. Whoever is not from God does not listen to us. By this we know the spirit of truth and the spirit of error. The word of God. You may be seated. We're going to look at this passage under two headings this evening. Number one, test the spirits by the truth. And number two, test the spirits by the love of the truth. Again, test the spirits by the truth. And number two, test the spirits by the love of the truth. So, first, test the spirits by the truth. Uh, we see this in verses uh, one through three. So, just to remind ourselves kind of where we've been and where, uh, and, and, uh, just to remember, anytime you are studying a book of the Bible, context is king. I think I actually had you repeat that when we went through that sermon. And you remember that? Context is king. That is, we always need to remember who's writing, who's he writing to, what's the purpose, and the point that they're writing about. And then John, in 1 John, he's writing to a Christian community because a group within the Christian community has abandoned, has... Uh, succeeded has left the group they have embraced the false teaching concerning the nature of who Jesus is and apparently as well as immoral lifestyles and these Christians are unsettled they they want to know what you know what if they know something that we don't why did they leave how do we know if if something is truly of God or not because these people over here are convinced That what they now believe is the truth. How can you tell? How can you know? Well, these are important questions to think and to answer and to think about. John already has given us a number of interrelated tests. One test, for example, was the moral test. That is, someone who truly knows God and truly knows the truth, here and here will also be someone who lives out the truth. In a life of holiness and purity and integrity. And so there it is. It's the moral test. to have. So uh, that's something I think that's, that's a huge under part to correctly understand Christianity. Is that it's not enough to just affirm the right truths. It, you must love the truths. Be led by the truths. Embrace the truths. And have the truths inform your life. Or else you don't really know the truths as you claim to know them. A person whose life does not, whose general manner of life does not uphold the moral teachings of Christ and the apostles, in that person we can have zero confidence that they truly know God or are reliable in what they have to say about God and Christ. The second test uh, that we've talked about before is the love test. And John will talk about this more later, um, but that is if we have been touched and changed by God's love we will, by extension of having God's love touch our hearts and change us, we will then become loving people. And particularly, we will feel a special affection and connection with others who share the same eternal hope in Jesus Christ as we do. We'll love the brothers. In our passage tonight, John elaborates further on what we talked about last time, which which is a doctrinal test the doctrinal test that is that true faith must be grounded in the true in a true understanding and affirmation about who Christ is if one does not affirm the truth about Christ the uh, the truth about who Christ is and what he's done and, and and who he really is in his being if we do not affirm the truth about Christ then in what meaningful sense could we possibly be called a christian and so, while, while faith in Christ is obviously more than just affirmation of certain truths, it's no less than that. We must know the truth, and we must believe the truth. And we're also going to see tonight that reality is a spiritual one, and behind every idea or truth claim is a spiritual reality. So first now, we're just going to walk through the passage here, beginning in verse 1. John says, believe, Beloved, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see whether they are from God, for many false prophets have gone out into the world. And so, he says, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirit. Now, where does this, where does he introduce this idea from? Well, in the ver- in the previous verse, right at the end of chapter 3 there, he says, and by this we know that he abides in us by the spirit whom God has given us. And so, he 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 ends that last section chapter three by introducing that the Spirit we know we we know that we that he abides in us he says by the Spirit whom he has given us so he's talked a lot about the Spirit the Spirit is the is the, is one of the ultimate signs that we know that we are of the truth so if one of the one of the ways that we can know that we truly know the truth is that we see the evidence of the Holy Spirit's work in our life. That we see the evidence of the Holy Spirit's work in our life, and so He introduces this reality of the of the Spirit, but then He acknowledges that the Holy Spirit is not the only Spirit that's at work in the world. He's not the only one. By telling us to test the spirits, John reminds us what, as we, we've we said, we in the modern worship world too often forget, and that is that spiritual realities lie behind the physical world. Okay, and, and just sometimes we forget about that, but Probably one of the clearest pictures of that is the book of Daniel. Perhaps you've read the book of Daniel, and remember Daniel's praying, and this angel comes to him, and he and this angel's telling him, and, and this angel says, you know, I, I was coming to you, but then I was withstood by a demon, basically. And of course, all this is is invisible to us. We can't see it, but then all of the New Testament, all of the New Testament. Um, that's a whole other sermon, but... Uh, but Paul is, t- in one passage, Paul talks about head coverings, and then as part of the head coverings, he says, because of the angels. That is, that is, that th- there's a spiritual realm that is just as real as this physical realm that, that, is, that, that battles are taking place in right now. And when, and, and, I, you know, it seems to me that in the end, in the new heavens and the new earth, when the end comes, what's going to happen is that is that kind of that that veil is going to be torn, and the spiritual world and the physical world will be, become one, and we'll see realities that will blow our mind. Realities that were working in in our minds in the background, but that's where the real battle was being fought the whole time. In Ephesians chapter six, the Apostle Paul writes: "For we do not flesh uh, Where... <laughs> We do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over the present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. So, Paul's in prison. And he, he's in prison because he has actual human opponents in the world. But Paul, in prison, says they're not the real enemy. The real war that I'm waging is against the cosmic powers over the present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. And so we just can't forget that. So when John says test the spirits, we need to understand that everything has a spiritual reality behind it, including false teaching. And that's especially what John is is talking about. You see, the devil is perfectly happy that we are captivated primarily by what our eyes can see and utterly miss the spiritual schemes and forces that are behind the attitudes, actions, and false beliefs of the world. But John says that we are of the Holy Spirit. And so just as we are of the Holy Spirit, but the Holy Spirit's not the only one that's working there, there's a spiritual battle raging and, and John says here, he says, we must test the spirits, he says, because many false prophets have gone out into the world. And so, in John's mind, what, it, what John is bas- it seems to be saying is this. Is that anyone who goes and propagates and teaches a false truth, I mean, a, a, a falsehood about God, about Christ, about reality, in his mind is a false prophet is a false prophet. And so he says many false prophets have gone out into the world. And so, so get this now. So what John is saying is that doctrinal error, doctrinal error concerning the person and work of Christ is not just a mere mistake. There are spiritual forces of evil that are hell-bent on getting people to believe false things about Jesus Christ. Doctrinal error is not just a mistake. It's demonic. It's devilish. And to propagate false, tr- false realities, false things about God... It is for John, and in John's mind, puts you in the category of, the false, of a false prophet, which, by the way, is perhaps the most condemned vocation in the entire Bible. Because you are telling false things in the name of God himself. About God himself. And so, he connects this... He connects this as he did before, uh, back in chapter 2 where he talks about the Antichrist, that, that comes back up here. He connects this, the false prophets, with, with uh, the presence of the Antichrist with the, and, and the spirit of the Antichrist. And so John is warning us to test the spirits and therefore we can't, we have to be discerning, we have to be wise, we have to know our Bibles. We have to test things that we hear and not believe everything that we hear. But discern the truth, and it's important, I think, to understand. You know, I think it's important to understand John's understanding of really the really it's the, his understanding of the end times. Because as we talked about before, he called he said that in chapter two, verse eighteen, he says that it is the last hour. And that the Antichrist is associated with the end, the end times. And yet, here we are 2,000 years ago, and John is saying, well, the spirit of the Antichrist is already here. Why Why would he say that? Well, because Jesus plainly taught that false prophets was a sign of the end. In Matthew seven fifteen, Jesus said, Beware of false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly are ravenous wolves. In Matthew 24, which is a passage specifically about the end times, Jesus said, Many false prophets will arise and lead many astray. Now think, you're the Apostle John. You've heard Jesus say this, and then in this Christian community, false teachers rose up and led a whole group in your church astray. What do you conclude? You conclude, it's the end. The time is upon us. The end is here. Second P- uh, In Second Peter 2, Peter says this, But false prophets also arose among the people, just as there will be false teachers among you, who will secretly bring in destructive heresies, even denying the master who bought them, bringing upon themselves swift destruction, and many will follow their sensuality, and because of them the way of truth will be blasphemed. And in their greed, they will exploit you with false words. Their condemnation from long ago is not idle, and their destruction is not asleep. And so false prophets were associated with the last days, which is why John connects, why why he says they're in the last hour, why he connects the presence of false teaching with the presence of the spirit of the Antichrist, which is connected with the the days of of the end. And so... And so... um, and so we just need to keep in mind here, and we'll talk about it a little bit later, that for two thousand years we've been in the last days. And we know this because the spirit of the Antichrist has been at work and is and is at work even today. And so how how can we how can we then discern the spirits? Uh, John tells us in, in verse 2. He says, By this you know the Spirit of God. Every spirit that confesses Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is from God, and every spirit that does not confess Jesus is not from God. This is the spirit of the Antichrist, which you have heard was coming and now is in the world already. And so, here it is. It's pretty simple. It's pretty straightforward. You can you can. One of the tests among the others that John has given us is the doctrinal test, to test the spirits, to test the content of what is being said by others. Are they speaking the truth about Christ? Uh, particularly in John's day, they were denying that Jesus Christ had come in the flesh. It's not 100% clear what that heresy was, although we know a number of early false teachings that could be put in this category one of them, for example, being that the that Christ was kind of like a spirit or anointing that came upon Christ at his baptism and left Christ before his crucifixion. So in other words, Christ wasn't, Jesus in his whole entire person wasn't the Christ from birth to, to ascended into heaven, but rather the, the, the spirit of Christ or the anointing of Christ came upon him at his baptism and left him at his Uh, before his crucifixion. But what John is saying is that it's not true. It's not... It's not wrong. It's wrong. It's not right. Jesus is the Christ from beginning to end and stands right now in his physical body at the right hand of God Almighty reigning over the world. He not... He, he, he wasn't just the Christ for a certain period. He came as the fulfillment of every promise. The king, the heir of David. The king of the world. Jesus is the Christ from beginning to end. Right now as a living, breathing, physical human being at the right hand of God Almighty. And just as his uh, disciples saw him ascend to heaven, one day we'll see him descend from heaven. And so this is how we can know. Every spirit that does not confess Jesus is not of God. That is, so this is one of the ways we know. This is how we discern. You have to ask. You have to ask what other people are saying. What do you believe about Christ? Of course, we want to know other things, but that's key. What do you believe about Christ? Do they preach the truth about Christ? There's lots of so-called Christian denominations, a.k.a. cults, who deny the deity of Christ. They did. say He was created, or they say He was just a, you know, a, a regular person. or, or They deny the Christ. We have to ask, does, is what being taught, is it confessing the true Jesus, the real Jesus, Jesus as He actually is, and not just who we want Him to be? The spirit that does not confess the true Jesus, John says, is the spirit of the Antichrist. Is the spirit of the Antichrist. So again, just as before in chapter 2, John called the defectors who left the church, who embraced the false teaching of Christ, he called them antichrists. And so again, embracing a falsehood about Christ is not just a, a mistake. It is being captivated by the spirit of the antichrist himself. And it is becoming one of his minions to do his will. Because that's what the Antichrist does. He mimics Christ. Just as Christ has followers, the Antichrist has followers. They might not even know it. But anyone who is propagating a false teaching about Christ, John says, is the Antichrist. And is captivated by the spirit of the Antichrist. And as, as we said... John already sees the spirit of the Antichrist at work. I referenced the the verse earlier in in 1 John 2.18. John says, children, it is the last hour, and as you have heard that the Antichrist is coming, so now many Antichrists have come. Therefore, we know it is the last hour. And then again in our passage in verse 3, it says, every spirit that does not confess Jesus is not from God. This is the spirit of the Antichrist, which you heard was coming, and now is in the world already. It's in the world already. And so, the, the, the 2,000 years ago, the spirit of the Antichrist was already at work. And the Apostle Paul said the same thing in 2 Thessalonians 2.7. He says, for the mystery of lawlessness is already at work. Only he who now restrains it will do so until he is out of the way. And so, the point of all this, and something we need to take away from this, is that we have to understand that... 2,000 years ago, they were in the last days, and we are in the last days. We just have to admit that it is mysterious that God has willed that the last days have extended for so long. But that's his plan. That's just just the way he's designed it. But the point is is that, that... Everything's, I mean, everything's already in place. Christ has already come. He's already ascended. He's already forgiven sin. The spirit of the antichrist is already at work. I mean, for two thousand years we've been on the brink. In fact, if there if there's a reason for the, the tearing, Peter tells us it says God is not uh, not slow in His coming as some count slowness, but God is patient, not wishing that not wishing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. And so there's been an extension of this time, a holding back, if you will, of the full and final man of lawlessness, so that the fullness of Christ's people can come in throughout the ages. And yes, that was somewhat mysterious. It was somewhat mysterious, but that's just the way God does things. Jesus Christ, when He came, He defied every Jewish expectation of what the Messiah was supposed to be. And so it is now. That the, these last days may have defied some of our expectations. But that's the whole point, isn't it? Jesus didn't tell us everything we might like to know. He just told us everything we need to know. And it isn't our job to read God's mind. It's our job to take Him at His word. And to trust that He knows when that, when that time and that hour is. And it could be today. And to be found faithful While we wait. And so, uh, one of the major things we can take away from this passage is that we we must learn to test the spirits and we must learn to identify the false Jesuses that are proclaimed today. Some of them are quite obvious. You know, I think of things like Jehovah's Witnesses and Mormons who deny Christ. By the way, I mean, if you ever want to do something interesting, just Google Joseph Smith and learn about his life. Crazy. False prophet. False prophet. The Bible says the spirit of the Antichrist. Uh, Others, there's lots of false Jesus proclaiming that. uh, Islam, for example. Did you know that Islam, they believe in Jesus? They believe he was just a prophet. And that he wasn't really crucified, but that someone else was crucified and they thought it was Jesus. But what is that? It's a false Jesus. It's not the real Jesus. And then, of course, probably the most popular Jesus, that is, the false Jesus that is proclaimed today, is Jesus as good teacher, nice guy, religious guru. Right? This, is, this, is, is, this is secular humanism. This is our relativistic culture. <clears throat> yeah, Jesus, he was a great guy. You should follow Jesus just like you should follow Buddha or Confucius. Or, you know, or or, or any of these other nice little gurus. They have nice things to say and they have good things. And if you follow their teachings, you know, you could could live a better life too. That's a false Christ. And anyone who propagates a false Christ, the Bible says, is the antichrist. Because it's not true about him. And one day we will all be confronted with the truth of Jesus Christ. And so number one, test the spirits by the truth. And number two, test the spirits by the love of the truth. Test the spirits by the love of the truth. We see this in verses 4 through 6. John writes, little children, you are from God and have overcome them. For he who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. They are from the world, therefore, therefore they speak from the world. And the world listens to them. We are from God. Whoever knows God listens to us. Whoever is not from God does not listen to us. By this we know the spirit of truth and the spirit of error. So John, again, he's writing to this Christian community, and he's encouraging and he's strengthening them by telling them that they have already overcome them. That is overcome the false teachers, overcome these false prophets, overcome these people propagating... Falsehood about Christ, the community, has overcome them. And that's what we must do as Christians. We must know and believe the truth and rest in the truth and be mature in the truth so that by the power of the Holy Spirit we can overcome falsehoods and be able to discern the lies of the enemy and the lies of the world so that we're not led astray into false belief. This is it's, It's critical in every generation, but it's so critical today. Because the culture is pressing an entire worldview on us, a way of thinking, a way of acting. That's just saying, you know, you know, I was listening to something on the way over here where the guy in the New York Times wrote an article about we should stop using he and she gendered pronouns. We should just use they, not refer to people by their gender. You see, there's a whole culture, there's a whole about trying to press us and force us to think in a certain way, and we need to learn to think biblically and to think critically and to think deeply. Because if we're not discerning, we will imbibe it, we'll soak in it in, and not even realize it's happening. And the, and think about all the movies you watch. Movies, movies, they're so powerful because they. They, they can be emotionally gripping and they can tell powerful stories. But what if the stories that they're telling isn't true? But see, it's so subtle that if we're not paying attention, we might not even know that we're drinking it in. That we're soaking it up. That's why things like personal Bible study and, and personal devotion at home and with your family... And church attendance and singing God's truth and listening to God's truth in sermons and in Sunday school and in a Wednesday night Bible study and prayer meeting. And reading good Christian, solid Christian books and talking about spiritual truths with other believers. That is why that, those kinds of things are not just nice things that good Christians should do, but they are a matter of life and death. Because if you don't know this word, then it will be easy for the enemy to come and sweep you up. And sweep you away. Because you won't even know. It sounds good. Things sound good. I've been you know, I've been referencing that, that pastor a lot that, that said he's not a Christian because it scares me. And Paul said, Paul said that they will come with plausible arguments. There are things that sound good. There are things that sound real good that appeal to our flesh. And humanly speaking, we'll say, well, humanly speaking, that that sounds good. It appeals to my flesh, but it's dead wrong. And so we have to learn. We have to know the truth and think about the truth and know the word so that we can discern these things when we hear them. And important in this passage here is the mechanism by which we overcome. What is the mechanism by which these believers has overcome? He says, you have overcome them because he who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. That's the mechanism. That's the the power. And who who is he that is in us? Well, it's, it's quite clear. It's the Holy Spirit. He calls it in this passage the spirit of truth in chapter 3, verse 30, where he introduces, I mean, verse 24, chapter 3, 20, verse 24, where he introduces this passage. He says, we, This is how we know that he abides in us by the spirit whom he has given us. So the, he who is in us is the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit is greater than the spirit of the Antichrist. And we overcome the spirit of the world, the spirit of the Antichrist by virtue by power by the enabling power of the holy spirit who lives within us he is the the holy spirit is the ultimate and decisive way that we overcome the lies and the schemes of the enemy because it is not we who ultimately overcome but god who ultimately overcomes through us by his spirit who lives within us and so we need to think about we need to think about the grace that god has given we his we his people By virtue of the fact that he has filled us with his Holy Spirit. Paul says that we have been sealed by the Holy Spirit. For the day of redemption. Think about that grace. Jesus said. Jesus said. that, That his people are in his father's hand. And no one can take them away. How is that? How is that possible? It's by the Holy Spirit who gives us the enabling power that God has sealed us with His Spirit. And through His Spirit, He empowers and enables us to ward off false teaching, to put to flight demonic powers, and to quench the flaming arrows of the enemy. But of course, as we've said before, this, the work, <laughs> it's not automatic. It re, it's both our work and it's God's work. It requires work on our part, but even then we recognize that even the work that we put into it is, is itself empowered by the Holy Spirit. For example, in Philippians chapter 2, 12 and 13, Paul says, Work out your own salvation with fear and trembling, for it is God who works in you. To do what? To will and to work for his good pleasure. It's God who works in us to even do the good things. But yet we still do them. And so we still have to work. That's why Paul can go on and tell Timothy in 2 Timothy 1:14, "By the Holy Spirit who dwells within us guard the good deposit entrusted to you." We work in God's work. We have to work to guard the deposit, to guard the truth about Christ, to work in Him. But we don't do it as if we could do it on our own strength, but it is empowered and enabled by the Holy Spirit that works within us. And that is great grace and is great encouragement. And it's encouraging to these believers because, of course, they're they're probably scared. Well, that, that happened to them. What if it happens to me? And so we can take courage when... When someone that, who we have trusted in the past maybe walks away from the faith, we can take courage and say, God, hold me by your spirit. It's our work and it's God's work. And so John continues here explaining about these people. He says, they are from the world. Therefore, they speak from the world and the world listens to them. Verse 6, we are from God. Whoever knows God listens to us. Whoever is not from God does not listen to us. By this we know the spirit of truth and the spirit of error. So as John has done before, he j- he classes everybody into two groups because, I mean, there really is only two groups. Either you're of God or you're of the devil. Either you're of the spirit of Christ or the spirit of truth or you're of the spirit of error. The spirit of Christ or the spirit of the Antichrist. A child of God or not a child of God. And, and so... We're either of one spirit, John says, or the other. And he says, they, and he's talking about the, those who have left this Christian community. He says, they are of the world. Therefore, they speak uh, from the world or out of the world. And the world listens to them. You see, there's, there's, a, <laughs> there's a worldly logic that sounds really good to a lot of people. You know, you just do you. You just do what feels right to you. You know, if it feels good to you, as long as it's not hurting anybody, that's fine. Who are they to say, oh, they're just kind of a bunch of, you know, they're just angry, bigot, fundamentalist people, you know. You just do. You just have a good time. It sounds good. It sounds good. They speak from the world, and the world listens to them. The world listens to them. But, John says, but we are from God. Whoever knows God listens to us, and whoever is not from God does not listen to us. And so there it is. In this point, I said here that we test the Spirit uh, by the truth, and here I said we test the spirits by the love of the truth. And see, that's that's the difference, isn't it? That's the key difference. You see... It's not enough to know the truth. Does, you know, the, the devil, the demons know the truth. James has said that. Demons know the truth, but they don't love it. They know Jesus is Lord, but they don't love Jesus as Lord. You see, it's not enough to know the truth, but we must also love the truth. And that's how you know the difference. If you're of the world, you listen to the world because you love what the world has to say. You like it. You have no problem with it. But if you're of God... You listen to God. You listen to his people. You listen to the truth. John uses this. It's like this. It's like, if you're a child of God, if you're a child of God, you recognize your father's voice. It's weird how it works, but that's how it works. If you're a child of God and someone speaks truth to you, truth that is accords with the Bible and accords with what is true in Christ, if you're of God, when you hear somebody say that, you're like, you recognize it. You're saying, that sound, that's right. That sounds right. You hear your father's voice speaking. That's what it's like. But John says, but whoever is not from God does not listen to us. They don't. They don't. It's, you, have, you have to want to know the truth. Lots of people, they can't they can't bear the truth of Christianity, not because it's intellectually unsatisfying, but because they don't want it to be true. Because if Christianity is true, that means it changes things. It means I'm not the boss. It means God is. But if we are of the truth, we hear it and we recognize God's voice. And this is exactly what Jesus taught in John chapter 10. Truly, truly, I say to you, he who does not enter the sheepfold by the door, but comes in another way, that man is a thief and a robber. Paul in Second Thessalonians put it like this. He says, The coming of the lawless one is by the activity of Satan with all power and false signs and wonders and with all wicked deception for those who are perishing because they refuse to love the truth and so be saved. Therefore, God sends them a strong delusion so that they may believe what is false in order that all may be condemned who did not believe the truth but had pleasure in In unrighteousness. So we see that we test the spirits by the truth. But not just the truth. But we test the spirits by the love of the truth. When you hear the truth. When you hear the truth. Do you recognize God's voice? Do you hear the voice of your shepherd calling to you? When you hear it. When you listen, when you read the Bible, when you listen to sermons, do we not only know the truth, but do we love it? Do we cherish it? Do we embrace it as right and good and true? That is the test. Church, we must test the spirits because not every spirit is from God. But this is how we test the spirit, by the truth and by the love of the truth. And as I close this evening, perhaps it is That someone came into this room and maybe didn't truly know God. But perhaps tonight, you've seen the truth. You've seen that Jesus is the truth. You've seen that Christianity is the right view of reality. The only way. And you want to embrace and you want to love the truth. You can by faith in Jesus Christ tonight. And you can, perhaps tonight in this sermon, you've heard the voice of the shepherd speaking. And you want to follow him. The answer is to come. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved.